episode 130. As you probably already noticed, this is not Dan. This is Jesse. So, Dan, I I don't know, guys. Did Dan just bail on us tonight, or where's he at? Are we letting him off the hook? What did you do to him, man? Did you do something to him? Because he was talking crap about Compass? Yeah, that was was probably the case since, you know, Ed has a 7HV. He probably... Yeah, he probably decided to bail on I bet us. you he was ashamed. I bet you he flew the 7HV, liked it so much. Oh, he couldn't face me. He just that, couldn't that was face it. To tell you. Yep. He's like, there is no way I can go back to that show. Jesse's just going to let me have it. Either that. Took a week off. Next show, he's going to come back and tell us that he bought a 7HV. I don't think he would <laughs> ever admit it. I don't think it would ever happen. I mean, he might buy one. Oh, we got to find out eventually, dude. Othello. Yep. That yeah, we'll true. see the we'll see the proof. If if he did, he he definitely could not hide it from us. You know, there's also the possibility that he was so ashamed of his flight count that he just couldn't face us either. Aha! Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You mean now that's what I'm banking on? <laughs> that's maybe he maybe he just because out. I just placed an order today and I didn't buy any blades. Ooh. Hmm. Because he's going to be statement. getting them for me. Ooh, I don't know, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've already sort of banked it, man. Like, I've got a spare set. I don't have them with me, but I have a spare set of blades <laughs> in Dan's possession. In Dan's possession, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be collecting at Othello. So, but okay. what, what happens when you drive that heli in before Othello? Oh, yeah, well, that would Then, then you could have I a agree. problem. <laughs> so, well, Justin, okay, so did you... Did you increase your flight count this week? I did increase my flight count this week. Absolutely. So I am now a at a total flight. Or no, not by a schload. And, and don't don't tell us that you flew. Not every even like day. a mini schload. <laughs> no, dude. This the the weather was horrible this week, so I only got to fly. Let's see. I flew Monday, and I flew Thursday, and that's all I got. So I got a grand total of five or six flights in. I'm up at 93 total for the year. So I'm just on the edge of cracking the, the that, triple digits. I mean, here. that's pretty. You were just at what? High 50s two weeks ago. Yeah, dude. I told you. I, yeah, I've, so been, that's, I've been busting them out. Yeah, that's, actually, <laughs> that's quite a few flights in two weeks. Dang. So, yeah, I mean, I wanted to get a lot more in than that this week, but it's just been, I think you guys have had the same sort of issue. It has just been pouring like crazy. We get like a few days of beautiful weather and everyone gets hopeful like spring is here and then we just fall back into madness. So it's getting old, dude. The Yeah, dude, it's getting really old, like actually 
Today, it poured all day. This was my off Friday. Didn't get to fly, which just aggravated me. But at about 7 o'clock, when I was ready to do some food with the family and start relaxing before we do, you know, recording, the sun comes out and there's a rainbow. (laughs) And I'm like, (laughs) you son of a gun. I, and I, I'm like driving around, I'm with my wife, and I'm like, I hate rainbows. I hate the sun. I hate the blue sky. Screw you guys. It's been <laughs> raining all day, and now you're mocking me because I can't go flying. I got to go eat and then go and record. <laughs> yeah, that's so. like, what. what's the worst is when you look at the weather and it looks like it's going to be bad, like on a weekend. So you make plans. You know, you agree to be in somewhere oh, at yeah. a certain time, and then what do you know? It's sunny out. <laughs> And you can't go fly. That said, it remains clear as we record this. So I'm hoping that sticks around for tomorrow and Sunday. But the weather report saying it's supposed to be thunderstorms all weekend. So my hopes aren't high. But that's okay because I did get a decent amount of stuff done this week and today because of the crappy weather. We talked last week about me getting my DFC on. Right? So Nick and I traded our helis, swap straight across, Garbin 700 for 700 or a line 700 DFC. Yep. And all I can say is, dude, it feels good to have this one back in the fleet. Wow. I mm. like this heli. I like it a lot. It is, I mean, here's the deal. So I, I've been used to, lately at least, I've been used to fairly large helis right so you know you got the goblin 770 you got the goblin speed which if you haven't seen it in person let me tell you it is a large high presence heli and then the rave nitro and the raves no tiny heli at all i mean the airframe's massive it's tall the canopy's huge and then i go to this line and it's like i was talking to nick when he was over here last weekend i'm like dude it's so tiny it's like it's like a little it's almost like a stretched 600 in comparison to what I've been flying lately. So, got a few flights on it. Everything is great. It's uh it's a little floatier than I'm used to because it comes in at about 12 pounds fully loaded and um most of my other helis are more like 12 and a half to 13 and a half. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. There'll be a little bit of adjustment there, but Dude, I'm excited. I like this heli a lot. So I'm already I'm already in the process of pimping it out because you got to make it yours, right? Got some bling. Came in the mail yesterday. So I put the uh, the red and black Align 800 Pro skids. You know which ones I'm talking about? The ones with like the like the colored carbon fiber Align thing in the center. Yes. Oh yeah. Yep. New canopy, which is sort of green and yellow and bright red. I also got the red and black 800 Pro vertical fin. And I got the 800 stretch kit. And uh, I'm I'm really happy with how it's starting to look. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I threw the 800 stretch kit on there today just to kind of get a feel for how big it is. It's It's a big heli. It's definitely an 800. 
It's about the same size as my Goblin 770 stretch, and actually the canopy nose is even pointier, so I think tip to tail, it's even a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm not feeling the boom supports, dude. Like with the, they don't give you 800 size boom support. So it's the standard 700 electric and 700 nitro length boom supports. And when you stick that on the 800 boom, (laughs) there's like another 700 size boom hanging off the back of it. It's it's not a good idea to. uh, It's scary. That's exactly what happened to mine. To the to the nitro. Remember that when Mitch Pricer was yeah Yeah. I do the most epic of all tail slides. And then pulls out at the bottom, and the the boom just folded right right yeah. there. Now, granted, I'm not going to be beating it that hard, so it's probably not as big of a risk, but it just doesn't pass my engineering sniff test to begin There's with. There's a solution. So though. I'm pro- Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. I know for a fact. All because, right, let's hear it. Because I hold in my possession, um, KDE has 800 boom supports for it. Oh yeah, dude. Yep. I remember and you they mentioning are that. Perfect okay. Perfect length and beefy, burly. Yep. Yep, yep. Done deal. Those <laughs> will be ordered tonight after I get off the show. It really does make the difference. So, it makes it to where I would feel comfortable hammering on it. Yeah, hmm. I mean the the boom itself, from what I can tell, the boom is actually even a little bit thicker. It's the same 22 and a half or 21 and a half millimeter diameter. Well, okay, hold on. Let's let's spend a minute on this because you and I have been going back and forth on this for months now, Nick, about stretching this Uh thing. And you guys all know that there's the 800 E pro and that's the one that comes out of the box 800 ready. Well, it turns out that and this is probably old news for those of you who have looked into this, but the Trekker is an 800 that uses the 700 size boom hardware. So 21 and a half millimeters in diameter. Mm-hmm. And the 800 E pro uses a 24 and a half millimeter diameter boom. So it's a little bit stockier, a little bit beefier. And as a result, you got to get a new boom block and a new tail case and blah, blah, blah. So that's like a two or $300 stretch upgrade. Versus the $40 one that I got, which basically just takes a 700 and turns it into a Trekker stretch. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how it turns out. If it if it's really as good as I think it's going to be, then I may pull the trigger on the bigger stretch. But for now, we're in test mode. So put the Ultra Guard on there as well. I'm really liking that thing. I've got a few flights in on it now. I don't think I've got as many as you do, Jesse, but let me tell you something. That <laughs> set of LEDs <laughs> is blindingly I told bright. you to put sunglasses on. Oh, man. <laughs> I was testing it on the bench, and I was getting a headache Yeah. <laughs> after like five minutes of messing yeah, if, with if this If you thing. lose power in the air, it's going to be very clear. Because that LED is going to be going off. I mean, are we looking at, like, FAA problems here, or what? Oh, dude, Nick. I mean, it's... It's three LEDs all on one board. I don't even know how to describe it. It's, like, offensively bright. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Like, you can't look at it. You cannot look at it for more... When it first blinks, it shocks you so much, you turn your head away, and then to to notice that it's still blinking, you just look at the wall opposite (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because you can't actually look at the LED. That's right. Yeah. 
So I, I'm I'm liking it. It it looks good. Uh, it's definitely going to be visible though. Yep. For sure, it will be visible even on a bright day, which is I think the main main goal and point. Yep. Let's see what else here. My Eagle Tree telemetry system showed up as well this week. Nice. Complete with the GPS system and a temp sensor. And so I'm working on getting that into the Goblin speed so that I can get actual speed numbers. I was supposed to do that today, but since there's a no-fly for the day, at least, because of the rain, I settled for the next best thing, which was to drive around the neighborhood with my laptop and the Eagle Tree attached to it in live data recording <laughs> mode so that I could just get some Are data. You, serious? you know, like a... Th- I did, dude. I absolutely oh did. Oh, my God. You're, oh, you're embarrassing. I, I, I ran outside with the laptop and the Eagle Tree all connected up in the rain. It's getting rained on. Jumped in the car and just drove around the block for like 10 or 15 minutes to get a bunch of data. And I was checking to see if the speed was accurate to the, the dashboard speedometer on my car, which it is very accurate. You know what you so, should have done? What's that? You have a cat. I do have a cat. You're right. You want me to strap it to the cat? Yeah. Take it's it outside. It's an indoor cat, though, dude. <laughs> I bet you'd run pretty fast outside. It'd probably then. freak out if you brought it outside then. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And then and I could go find it. Find yeah. cat. <laughs> yep. And final announcement. Laughing from him. <laughs> no, I, 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 dude. Yeah. Well, the way my cats have been treating me lately with the whole urinating on the stickers, <laughs> I would, I'd probably just let them go without the GPS. <laughs> you know. But anyway, I've got a small, actually not a small. It's a, it's a pretty decent announcement. Uh, you know, we we've been working with Andrew Hinton Lever of OptiPower over in the UK. And yep. as you know, Jesse and I are doing a review of the of the UltraGuard system for him. Well, we also are going to be doing a review on the OptiPower 6S 5000 50C Ultra Series packs. Uh, so Andrew and I got in contact probably about a month ago. He knew that I was doing the Goblin Speed review. And he thought that that would be a really good opportunity uh, to give the packs hell. Let's just be straight yeah. about it. Yeah, beat them up. Yep. And so they showed up at my doorstep today, and I have two beautiful, shiny 5006S packs, and they get wired up, and we'll start putting the hurt to them on the on the Goblin you Speed. Mean, you mean after you break them in, you'll start putting the hurt to them? Because yes, we all heard absolutely. from Dave. Oh, I've been breaking them in. I know what you mean. Absolutely. That was my week, guys. Awesome. Can't take a no-fly card, so I feel good about Wait. that. It's always a win. And I got some stuff done. Nice. Jesse? Yeah, it was a, it was a big heli week for me. Just to start off, I am also not taking a no-fly card. Attaboy. Um, Woot. Yeah, not well, not a ton of flights, but... Definitely some flying. Um, I'd planned to go out to the field last Saturday, so when I was still home on spring break. But I got tied into doing some stuff uh, in the morning and didn't get out to the field till 11. And then our beautiful Western Washington weather started to, it uh, decided it was going to rain on me about 1 o'clock. So only was out there for a couple hours, got in 10 flights. 
So, yeah, not not quite. What so, I, 10 flights total for the week, you're saying, Jesse? Yeah, 10 flights for the week, because I'm pretty sure I brought all the rain with me back to Pullman. I think it's just following me, because it's like while I was home on spring break, I kept looking at the weather in Pullman, and it's like, man, it's beautiful there. Why didn't I just stay at school for spring break? I would have gotten way more flying. Hmm. And then as soon as I get back... It seems like it completely flips, and all of a sudden it's pouring down rain. So it's it's been like like you had mentioned, it's been raining all week here as well. So did not get out during the week. So ten more flights to the flight count for the year, which is oh, I actually do not have it in front of me. I think I was at like one fifty six or one fifty seven last week. Oh, so one sixty seven. Did I miss a week? I feel like you were at like 130 last time we talked um well i got in those two i got in like a 17 and a 12 flight day that i reported last week yeah it was a lot which brought me up to like 150s oh, that's right. and then this only that's so right. then add 10 you know bring it up 10 more so i'm in like one 167 i think right around there i have to look at look at the app on my phone to ah. confirm but it's right around there nick just when you think you've got him he pulls away hey he's <laughs> you know he's Staying consistently ahead, but he's like creeping ahead, you know, even even more than that, which is bothering me. It's not like it's well, I, yeah. See the way I'm. So my my end goal for the year is I really want to get in a thousand flights, which I kind of you know rough calculations. That's about twenty flights a week. So um, looking at how far we are into the year, I still got some making up to go. That's to a that lot goal, so. of flights, dude. That is, but that's, but you've done that before, haven't you? Um, I think that's about what I got in, yeah, last year, um, as well. So hopefully, well, you know, once we get into summer, twenty flights a week really, really isn't that much. Hopefully, I can get in more than that to make up for, you know, the flights that I'm not getting in right now while we're still trying to get out of this winter, early yeah, spring. Yeah, because you're at you said like one fifty or one sixty right now. I know it's not representative, but if you take the burn rate over the last three months to get to 160 you're only going to make it to like 650 for the year yeah, yeah. but uh, that's i mean real that realistically that's not a, rep, a good representation of the entire no year, you're right so. that's super conservative because once the sun comes out it's over yeah yep then i'll then i'll put you guys put it put it away put it right in my pocket <laughs> and you know that trophy's not coming to me so i can guarantee you that you know it, the thought has crossed my mind and I got a number of listeners ask this in the last couple of weeks. What does the winner get? Because, you know, we've been focusing on like the trophy, the ball sack trophy goes to the loser. Does the winner get anything? No, because Jesse doesn't yeah. get anything. I think the winner. Oh, should so get you've something. counted yourself out already, Nick. Oh yeah. I, I won't be able to No, a single guy versus married guy. No way. Hey, hey, Nick, and get this. I just got my work schedule for the summer. Monday through Thursday. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, he'll, he'll be flying oh, two yeah. days a week. Oh, see, that's Solid. it. Yeah. See, I almost feel like that's grounds for, like, taking Jesse out of the competition. Or oh, I'd man. say a, thir- that's too far. a 30% handicap. Oh, oh, I, I'm good with a handicap. We can do that. That's not fair. You guys are taking this way too far. You can you're <laughs> flying at lunch every day. That'll make up for that one day. Not every it, day, dude. You could be if you're committed to flying helis. You would be in the <laughs> rain. <laughs> in the happen. rain, Justin. Make it happen. 
Uh, <laughs> I will be flying at lunch though, so I'll, it's all right. I'll play fair and square. I'm cool with it because I will not. I will not be flying at lunch. I can guarantee you, guarantee you that. So, if you guys can make up that one day that I got on Friday for you know your Monday through Thursday. That's a good point. So I, because once the weather clears for me, unless I've got a meeting or you know I've got a tight schedule at lunch, it's going to be two flights at lunch and two flights after work. Mm-hmm. Or three flights. Yeah, you know yeah. what? So, so that could, I could easily get four counter. to five a day on a yeah. good week. So that could, I could potentially put in twenty flights at lunch during the week. Yeah, without actually getting to the weekend. Yeah, so maybe yep. you need the handicap. I don't need. I am handicapped. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> You're like done. I already did that. I handicapped. <laughs> yeah. No. So. So once I did get back to school, so Sunday I didn't get any flying in. I had to make a seven-hour drive across the state back to school. But once I got back, I had a little bit of time Sunday evening, and the 7HV got a little bit of an upgrade. Um, I So like I mentioned last week, I got the icon put on there. And then this week, I actually put a 4525 Ultimate Motor on the 7HV, which is replacing the 4525 Limited Edition Motor that I was flying on there. So looking at the specs, yeah, well, it was still going, I mean, dude, just change out the shaft and the bearings ever, you know, basically once a season and the thing just keeps working. So yeah, that's fair. Not a whole lot of incentive to upgrade, but wait, you know, I did. So one thing that I'm really excited about is I was doing some reading and, uh, Justin, I'm not, maybe you can validate or invalidate this, um, so I was doing some reading, and on the Contronic, you know how with the limited edition, you have to run it in KSA mode. And with mm-hmm. the Ultimate, you can pull it out of KSA mode. Now, the limited edition and the Ultimate motors have about the same for a continuous current capabilities. So the same power, continuous. Mm-hmm. Um, does pulling it out of KSA mode uh, give you basically more power? I was reading on the forums, and a lot of guys were saying that when you pull it out of KSA mode, like you can with the Ultimate, you'll actually be able to pull more power. That's a good question, dude. I honestly don't because know. Because basically KSA mode is um, the variable timing, right? That's correct. I believe that that's what it does. Okay. Well, among other things, it does do variable timing, but I think it has some other adjustments in there as well. Okay. So, But honestly, I've I've never messed with it. On Contronic, I've pretty much run all of my big motors. Mm-hmm on ksa mode the only ones that i think i've run out of ksa mode and they seem to work fine were like the align 700 and 750 mx's but that was a long time ago okay so i i did i went ahead and pulled it out of ksa mode so i'm i'm uh, excited to see if i know i guess if i notice a a power difference because like i said the the continuous rating is the same on the two motors so it'll Mm -hmm. be interesting to see by you know pulling it out of ksa mode if there's any difference we well, sh- I look forward to hearing yeah, we, what you find. We shall see. Next, I'm sure some of you guys saw this on Facebook, but I got a new set of servos. A new set? Nothing. Nothing? Yeah, a, new, a brand new set of I servos. Missed that. I missed That's not what I, I was did. expecting to hear. Well, that, no, I, I wasn't either, Nick. No, I got... He's working a, up to yeah, it. Yeah, I'm working up to a full set of BK servos. Oh, Nice. So, yeah, I've nice, heard, dude. I mean, I've heard nothing but, you know, great things about these servos, so I figured, what the heck? 
go ahead and give a set of, sh you know, go ahead and try a set. And uh, these are going to be replacing the BLS 351s that were in the 700 Nitro. Which brings me to the next thing, which I'm sure is what you guys were expecting. Yeah, yeah, the, Nitro. Uh, these yeah. servos are no longer going into the uh, Align 700 Nitro. I think they're going to be going into a Synergy N7. Woohoo! Yeah. Which showed up this last week, which was also another post on Facebook. So. Um, but yeah, so that. Dude, I am excited to hear about that freaking heli. Yeah, I was extremely excited. I, it ended up showing up Wednesday evening, and I pretty much wasted zero time getting that thing out of the box. Um, I still had some tearing down to do on the Align 700 Nitro. I had to pull the motor, pipe, um, V-bar, throttle servo, a couple other things out of there to transfer that all over to the 700N. So I got that done and then, you know, went right to the build. So currently as it sits, it's, it's coming along nicely. I'm pretty much, I have all the electronics installed. I'd say the airframe's about 80% complete. Um, I'm actually waiting on a couple things. So when I was when I was pulling my 700, the Align 700 apart, I didn't have enough grease on the O-rings on my Hattori pipe. So it, it was extremely hard to basically pull the pipe apart. And in doing so, I ripped one of the O-rings in half when I was taking it apart. So ah, yes. got a new set oh. of O-rings coming. And then the next thing was... In the N7 kit, there's a clunk that comes with it, and I I really really prefer the fuel magnet, so I went ahead and ordered up one of those. But no, oh, yeah, you know, both, good call. Both my good fault. Call. I was not looking ahead. I thought I was ready for the build, but was wasn't quite ready. Um, and not like the weather's looking all that great this weekend, anyway. So hopefully, finish up the airframe. That stuff should be in early next week, and get this thing flying so we can get this review underway. Yeah, we got to give a huge shout out to amy and matt at synergy rc helicopters thanks a bunch for sending this over we've had just ridiculous amounts of people oh. interested in this review. yeah tons and, of you requests. know when's it gonna get here when's it gonna get here and you know they've been pretty much blowing them off the shelves uh when they've been coming in and and uh uh yeah we're just we're super excited and it's you know it's cool it, matt and amy they're they're good people um, and as everyone knows, we like to try and do, uh, business with the good ones and people that we oh, yeah. believe no in doubt. And, and that provide really good customer support. So, uh, thank you again, Matt and Amy. And, uh, we're looking forward to finding out if it's all that it's cracked up to or not. Yeah. Or I mean, what, or? let's, let's face it. This is definitely the hottest, uh, nitro on the market currently. I think that's so. fair. Yes, it it's, is. Uh, yeah, we'll get the thing together and and hopefully next you know next weekend maybe put some flights on it. So look forward to that in the near future. And then send and then it to lastly, Nick when you're done. And then send it to Nick. Eh, I didn't. Yeah. That was not on the timeline. Um, maybe we can discuss it. that off the air. Um, <laughs> but you know, I I don't think that's happening. <laughs> yeah, I want to take a pull on it too. Yeah, yeah <laughs> once again, maybe let's discuss off the air. <laughs> yeah it's more fun. no i want to get you on the record yeah, yeah. saying yes <laughs> it's probably well it's, it's probably not gonna happen we'll we'll see though but i'm just gonna guess and say uh -uh, not happening you can how about this i'll let you maybe take a look at it at othello we can compromise Ooh. 
a look. Yeah, just the look, you know. I, can, I mean, it'll be sitting out. It'll be sitting out front. It'll be sitting out front the, the whole time. So you can take more than a look, but you know, may maybe touch it. Who knows? We'll see. Want to touch it? <laughs> and then, lastly, I don't know about you guys, but now that you know the season is finally, it's it's starting to look like spring may maybe's in the near future. So now that we're actually doing some heli stuff, I can't remember the last time I simmed, which is. Really oh. bad because I still got that, you know, that stinking list of maneuvers just hanging over my head that I need to learn and get nailed down so I can transfer those over into real life. But it's really hard to sim when it's like there's actual wrenching or flying to be done. Yeah, it's I don't, hard to sim I don't know about you guys, lately. but I'm not. I I haven't touched the sim in a while, dude. So yeah, I, I feel you. It's like I was back into it. I was just. I stayed steady for like two months every single night and then spring break hits, you know, got in that 35, 40 flights in a week and stuff just started, you know, there was other stuff to do in the evenings besides sit in front of the computer and sim. So I'm, I'm hoping I can, you know, get, get refocused because there is still time before fun fly season officially starts here that there's still time to learn some stuff. So hopefully I, I can get refocused up and, uh, polish up a few maneuvers before Othello hits, and then after that it's pretty much, you know, game over for really focusing on the sim, because then we're right in the thick of the fun fly season. Oh yeah. so One fun fly every three or four weeks until October. Yeah. With traveling and, yeah. Yep. That is my week. Nice. That's a... Sweet, dude. That's a heck of a week. Dude, that sounds like a Almost like oh a yeah, it was a or something. It was a great week. I would. I need a couple more of these. Get way back in. BK servos offer a value not yet seen in the industry. For less than a hundred dollars, you get a super fast servo with plenty of torque, lightweight, compact, and unique CNC design with excellent centering. There is just nothing on the market like this today. So if you want to experience great value and industry-leading support, head over to www.bkservo.com. Check them out. Awesome. Well, I had... All right, Nick. Well, it started since you guys, we talked last. Justin, you kind of, we got to do some flying on Sunday. We did, and I can't believe I didn't actually mention that. Yeah, so... But you're right. We, Go uh, for it. I was down uh, by, it stayed at Justin's house while I was doing some training for work down there in the Seattle area. So it was really cool to be able to get down there and hang out. And, you know, we don't, despite the time that we spend together on the podcast and, you know, a thousand texts and everything during the week, <laughs> we actually mm-hmm. don't get to just hang out very often. It's always business or you know work or this or the podcast or or fun fly or something so it was cool to go down there and just to be able to kick back and kind of chit chat and we got out and did some flying which was really nice that uh i two days in a row dude i know and i pity you i do why is that well you know what i realized i love people i do well that's mostly true (laughs) <laughs> I I love our listeners. Oh, I know where he's going with this one. I love our listeners. How about that? I do. But man, 
I don't I don't like dumb people. And I just kind of really realized when I when we were down there and, and and dumb, I don't mean unintelligent, I mean ignorant. How about that? There's a big difference. It has nothing to do with IQ. It has to do with respect and just having a brain on top of your shoulders. You don't like D bags. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, I've I've kind of realized how fortunate I am up here to have a field that's kind of, I mean, you know, it's shared amongst some the other heli guys in the area, but for the most part, yeah, all three of them. No, that's not true. When Jesse's no, home. there's more in the summer. Is there? It gets. Oh yeah, in the summer we have. There's probably eight guys. Yeah, eight eight guys that come out. Every Saturday wow, and Sunday dude, in the summer. Eight guys? Yeah. That's big. Guy. Can you hear me mocking you? Yes, I can. Dude, it's a it's a field care. with one flight station. <laughs> two. It's got two. Eight. We got two. Oh, that's true. Yeah. If you want to scare the new guys off to the left, I guess they can. That's usually, we try to. <laughs> that's usually what we do. So. <laughs> but I just realized how much I love being able to go out there and fly as much as I want and not have to worry about people because oh mm-hmm. my god down there it is just like people everywhere and and you know we couldn't go to snohomish because some moron tore up the field when it was all uh when the weather was nasty and rutted it up and just totally jacked up the field so uh, they kind of and it was still under six inches of water yeah exactly so we had we were stuck at 60 acres which don't get me wrong it's a beautiful place. It's a wonderful location. And now, the weather was incredible. And so that brought everyone out of all modeling aspects. Yes. I mean, what I saw. They came out of the woodwork. Gliders and little, you know, EDF jets and airplanes and bottle ro- or, uh, model rockets. And it was just everything. Multi-rotors. Multi-rotors. You name yeah, it. The, the bummer part is, besides maybe the model rockets, everything seems to fly for like 10 to 15 minutes as well yep you are you are absolutely correct and everything (laughs) seems to fly right over where nick and i are yeah despite our best efforts to get as far away from the rest of them as possible yep i have never watched more i've never been in a location where i have seen more things flying behind me an equal amount of things flying behind me as in in front of me <laughs> and was, how many was, times you did you see that where you could then turn around, look out into the field, and actually identify the pilot flying the vehicle? Oh no, because there was no there was no rhyme or reason on on when and where. It was just crazy. And then you know, yep. a, a lot of these people just don't know. Like the you know the the dad brings his kid out there to shoot off some rockets and he thinks that he's doing a good thing by just walking right out into the middle of the field, not around anyone. Well, you know, I, buddy, I got a 700 hurricane that's, you know, we're really going to have your name on it if you don't, if you don't watch out. So it just kind of, I don't know. It stinks. It, it, yeah. It and, worked out. and the crappy part about that is you, you're not going to fly over them. Because that's no, just, I mean, that's not. the hu- huge safety factor. So you basically either have to sit there and wait until people move or you've got to hover. Yep. It was a little, it was a little just unusual. 
But, you know, that's all right. On the bright side, I got to put some serious lights on the MD, which was great. Um, I mean, tuning, spent some time tuning the V-bar. This one's going a little slower because, again, I'm put, I put a V-bar on it, so I'm kind of going through the V-bar learning curve or remembering curve, should I say, on how to tune. I quickly remembered uh, how much of an absolute huge pain in the ass tuning V-bar tail is. In comparison to other uh, fly barless systems. Don't worry, it'll be worth it though once you get that thing dialed. Well, it's you know, it's getting really close. I found out and and Jesse and I were talking about this and I, I wanted to bring it up, Jesse, because this was this was pretty darn profound. Um mm-hmm. because everything that both of us said independently completely matched. Now what we've noticed, and I'll just try and cap it up i've flown icon for quite a while um to me what i what i like about that is the responsiveness off of you know right around center it's very connected to my fingers it's it's very instantaneous connected we figure we found out is a very relative term (laughs) it is it is because you can say it's connected that's connected because all the little movements in my fingers even with expo but it's there's there's no lag on the heli there's no disconnect feeling from the heli. And it's very fluid, very, very fluid. And Piro flips and a little bit looser about that. A little bit looser feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put the V-bar on and I'm like, whoa, this thing is just like, feels like I'm flying the sim. Just boom, boom, boom. But very, very clunky for me, very rigid. And so I'm messing with the settings. And I, I mean, I've got the thing like the little style slider. I just gave up and put it all the way down on the bottom, all the way towards Vivid. And, uh, okay, I'd like a little bit more. Now we're going to go into some paddle sim. And, uh, you know, I'm up to like 35 on the paddle sim. And it, now it's it's finally getting to where I cranked up the flip and roll rates a little bit, the agility a little bit. And it's now it's getting very, very close to what the icon was. And Jesse... Why you you say what? You yeah. Think. So on on the other on the other end of this, so I'm sitting here with the icon going. Stuff just feels a little bit sloppy, and the uh, the maneuver that I really noticed this in is TikToks. It's like on the on the V bar, they just seem to be dialed. I can do, you know, they're very clean, very crisp. But on the icon, it seems like after two or three, they just start the the timing just seems to get off a little bit. And what I kind of found was, like like Nick had mentioned, it's it's that right around center, and how responsive it is, and the icon is just quite a bit more responsive. Now, with that in mind, there is still more settings in there that I'm messing around with, and you know, bank switching between to try to figure out if you know if there's a combination between expo agility, flip and roll rates. Um, feed forward gain, you know, if maybe I can replicate kind of what I was feeling on the V-bar or for me, that connected feeling, um, which I guess is a little bit more rigid. Mm-hmm. Um, so still definitely messing with tuning and hopefully one of those settings will kind of lead towards that feeling that I'm shooting for. It's funny because... So you guys Bert, both had the same problem on different fly bars. Yeah, but it was it's, opposite. It's just kind of what you got used to because yeah. I got, you know, I flew the V-bar for who knows how thousands of flights potentially. And that's just the feel that I got used to. So then I go and throw an icon on there 
And I'm like, wow, this is really sensitive around center. And then Nick, on the other hand, got really used to the icon, goes over to the V bar mm-hmm. and like, and was like, wow, this is very unsensitive dead. around center. Yeah. It felt like very dead to me right around the middle. I'm like, so is this thing going to move anytime soon? You know? And I've, I've even noticed that I'm running my flip and roll rates higher on the V bar just to get, mm-hmm. to get that same feeling around center. Uh, and you know what? It, and it made me like, so we're sitting here comparing going, wow. Well, this is cool because we both agree, like dead even. And then it made me um, think about, you know, we had a discussion with Bert one time. And it, when we were asking him what he flew at that time, and he was saying it was a, he had some on V-Bar, some on Icon. And he mentioned that um, he preferred Icon when he was down on the deck, you know, smack, really smacking the heli around. But he liked how the V-Bar flew uh, bigger, faster, air better. And that kind of jives with it, too. Because if you're just absolutely pounding it and going for every little bit of response you can to get down on down low, then that would make sense that, you know, the icon might, he might like that better. Yeah. They're, they're... Well, but hold on. I got a question, though. So what you're suggesting, then, is that there is something fundamentally different about the V-Bar that makes it inherently slower or less sensitive around center and there's no parameter that you can tune to fix that no no that's not what i'm getting at what i'm saying is the default settings on these two flybarless systems are very yeah. far apart the the, the yep. natural way that they come out of the box is very different like as far as the stop see then i don't understand then why bert likes v-bar better for flowy stuff and icon better for smacky stuff because he should be able to tune both of them to fly the way he wants may, may well okay let me see i'm not going to say that they can be tuned maybe it's just a you can get them both flying great and similar but not yeah. exact i mean they're just and you the, might the be v-bar is easier 90%. to tune with that the v-bar is easier to tune with that big air kind of floaty it just it locks oh, in way easier. It's not as big of a right pain to tune. Where if you really want to get it to feel the same, you could put in a lot of flights trying to tune the V-bar. Yeah, when yeah. I flew V-bar, it was never the head that was the problem. It was always the tail. Hmm. Oh, this thing, I mean, right out of the box, when I, when I put the MD up on the Maiden and started, like Jesse said, doing TikToks, I felt like I was just flying the sim doing TikToks. I'm like, yeah. uh, is anything going to make this helicopter move out of exactly yeah. perfect bobbled tilt yeah. yeah i mean it was dead on there whereas the icon was it was looser in a tiktok but now once i started pyro flipping and making real quick and you know like rapid movements i felt like the the v-bar was behind me um and again that was just on a lot of like the base stock settings yeah there, there could be one other explanation for this you know that that would pretty much explain everything what we're seeing could be that, you know, your fingers might just be a touch slower. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. know. It's possible. <laughs> Funny guy. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, he I'm is dead. the old man compared to you. Exactly. I mean, I maybe did. I just got that, you know, a little quicker. I'm all right with it. So we did, <laughs> um, you know, the MD. Oh, you hear? Can you hear the rain? I'm out. I, I am doing my first semi-mobile mobile <laughs> recording. Uh, sounds the like trailer. the doghouse to me. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like the, this is code for doghouse. Yeah, no, 
Get We're leaving. Outside. Leaving for Las Vegas. You don't Vegas. even get to sleep on the couch tonight, huh? No, my father-in-law <laughs> had some knee surgery, and uh, we're leaving for Las Vegas tomorrow for a family vacation. Ooh. So, oh, nice. So it was just easier for me to come out here and and uh, do it to it. But uh, back to the MD, man, I'm, I'm really happy with it. You know, it took a little bit to get some of those smaller quirks out, and, you know, like I had mentioned, a lot of these... Um, you know, most of the listeners will, will never have because, you know, we just kind of worked with them a little bit on, on getting those production changes made. But, dude, I, I got to tell you, <laughs> 750s, those Edge 750s have got to be oh, yeah. some of the fartiest blades. And, and <laughs> it was just so much fun to be down there on that big field with all those people. I found myself flying that thing like I was just an, an idiot. I, I, I shouldn't say an idiat. I was, <laughs> it was on or guy. off. You could have put switches. Like, take, take my sticks away. Just give me switches for the collective. Because it was full this way or full that yep. way. <laughs> he was pretty much doing the same, like, half dozen maneuvers over and over again in an attempt to best the last set of farts that he put down. And he and I were just laughing our asses off, dude. It was so cool. I'd be sitting there on the bench, like downloading some data from the last speed run. And he goes and blasts a huge set of blade farts. And I'm just like laughing. <laughs> it was just awesome. I mean, absolutely awesome. So it's fun. And that thing has got, uh, there is no shy of power i'm beginning to see that you know the difference like 12s and 14s at 12s absolutely 100 percent works on that heli in 750 configuration i'm gonna get a hold of some aligned 780s because they're a little narrower cord and i want to see how that goes but i mean i'm running 1850 13 a little over 13 degrees and it's just Dude, I mean, on the V-Bar Gov, it's plenty of power, plenty of pop, lots of pull, no issue there. The flight time's a little shorter. That's what I'm noticing. And I think that you could probably regain some of that going up to 14S. No lack of fun. That's for sure. Oh, yeah, it was a blast. So it was a good weekend to be down there and get some flights in. I am sitting at right now. As we speak, 138. Oh, do you aren't that far behind, uh, Jesse? But he seems to be like it's like every week he he creeps like three or four farther ahead. Not a lot, but he does. And you know the downfall. It rained up here all week, and so I actually kind of made a pact with myself after you know I felt. It's pretty messed up when you feel guilty for having a good weekend of heli flying. But I felt guilty, and we have had so much stuff to do here So at the podcast. So I actually have not touched anything to do with helicopters since Sunday night. And I've been working oh. working my best to try and, and get caught up. And I'm, I'm close, but not quite. And this port, you know, 
The poor Garbin 700's just sitting here, hanging on the wall. Haven't touched it. I know, man. No love. I got the DFC up and running, and my guy's what? just sitting there wasting away. What do you need to do to it to get it? Put put everything in it? Put everything just in air, it? It's just an airframe right now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have. I mean, I have servos here. I have speed controller. I've got a motor, fly barless system. Bla- I have everything. I... I really just been trying to get caught up because i got so far behind and I, I was sitting there laughing at one of the guys uh at work today going you know you know that you really have a problem when i'm sitting here i mean we're getting ready to go to vegas on a family vacation and i'm thinking well you know we're staying at the mgm grand they have like those little cabana things next to the pool that like the families mm-hmm. will rent a uh, little you know covered tent covered area and it's got like a couch in there and like a little desk and a tv and everything i'm actually considering getting one of those um, while we're there out at the pool just so i can sit in there on some wi-fi and keep trying to get (laughs) work done but that's (laughs) that's appealing at the moment so i don't know just go and take a break man i know but you know what they say, that, that magic fairy never comes in. There's just more to do when you get back. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no one's going to take it away from you. It'll still be waiting there, festering away when you return. Yeah, but growing. So I am way behind. I know I've been... The hats took a little bit longer to get out, but we actually came up, had a little bit of a revelation today uh, with the hat company, and I, I think we have a... a huge plan coming forward that's going to help and then also pretty soon jesse's going to be back here for the summer so he's going to help me out with some of that um we should be again any day on the citizen card so for all of those who have asked hey am i supposed to get a card yes you will (laughs) just it's it it all takes time and unfortunately we only have so much with the families and lives and all that good stuff but I think that's my week. Nice, dude. Sweet. Yeah, we should. Uh, I suppose we don't have Dan here to, to shoot us off, but I suppose that we should do a little bit of week. I think we should do something. Let's do it. So, Dan, you know how I've been taste testing a lot of different helis lately. Well, I think it's about time to try out a new flavor. I'm wondering if you've got any suggestions for me as to what to look at next. Dude, did you not read Nick's review on the Blade 700X? Man, you've got to head over to Blade Helicopters and check out their new Pro Series helis. Oh man, you're right. That 700X looks like it's just the ticket. Well, I'm off to www.bladehelis.com to check out my next flavor. We know who brings us the news, guys. This week's news is brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. Nick, did anything, did anything happen last week that's worthy of the news segment? feel like i should really compliment you on that that was a smooth transition was that good that was that, that was impact i was feeling impeccable it. absolutely nice. well, there we go 
All right, so, so the, let's hear it. The uh, the next, I, I don't know really how to pronounce this. N e x t, but it's the capital X makes it stand out. Simulator. You know, we talked about that one a while ago. Did did Dan get that one? Is this the one that I think he did? Uh, I think so. Okay, and I know he didn't care for it then, but they've they've got a video out coming soon for one of their sceneries. Dude, it's spotlight flying. <laughs> like over a fire, I watched the video. It looks really cool. You're practicing. Uh, <laughs> oh, dude, that is sweet. I mean, it looks it looks really impressive. I think it's it's a little odd, but I mean, hey, right on. I, you know, anything that's different. I know all the guys that are, that um, are in a spotlight flying just flipped out when they saw it. I mean, this is like the greatest thing in the whole entire world. Um, let's see what else we got. Oh man, this one this one has been anticipated big time. Uh Spartan. On the Vortex, they've got the version three firmware coming soon. It is there's no exact details on what is included in this one. However, we know that when Bert Got involved, you know. Bert and Susie got involved. Now they're the U.S. the main U.S. distributor for Spartan, and then yep. Bert himself got involved with the firmware. And you know, obviously, the weather's been getting a little bit better, a little bit better. So I know Angelos has had some more time. This is a very, very, very important update mm-hmm. for them. It's rumored that it will have the electric governor in it. Oh, it finally <laughs> gets here. Yeah, and they're even like they're making. Tail, uh, tail changes, cyclic upgrade. This is going to be a huge update. I've also seen some pictures that Angelus has posted on Facebook of some potential PC software that's coming soon, uh, which for people like myself, that's actually really appealing because I always have mine open and, you know, doing it. I'm in there anyway. So I don't know, man. I mean, as much as I'm kind of like, uh, about about tuning the V-bar and learning something new. Ah, it's going to be really hard not to try this. I haven't heard anyone that's had negative stuff to say about the Spartan. No. That has flown. No, I, I think... I mean, I haven't heard anyone necessarily say that it's groundbreaking and it's the greatest thing in the world, but I've not heard anything bad. Yes, I agree. I yeah, the, the only thing I'm worried about is this, you know, let's say this update is groundbreaking and really does set it apart. Is it, it is it too late, though, for the system? I don't think so, because, I mean, uh, well, <laughs> let, let's be. Well, I think it's all in the electric governor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I really, I don't think any fly barless system coming out with an electric governor is too late, because let's be honest. If they nail it. There's only the only two that really consistently work with I mean, the the high, you know, a, a wide span of speed controllers and are marginally easy to tune are the V-Bar and the Icon. Yep. Yep. So I think there's tons of room. Plenty of room. In that. And that's what makes it really appealing to me. And then, I mean, it, they still have that huge advantage that it's Spartan. And Spartan is locked. Yep. Spartan has always been locked in. And now you, you know, I do have one nit though. This has a separate sensor, doesn't it? No, well, there's two different versions. There's okay. the VX1 and the VX1N, and the N is 
bigger than an icon, but it is an all-in-one unit. And that's the... With all the same capabilities? And that's the one I'm seeing okay, the most. That's gotcha. Yeah, that that rocks. It, originally, it was just the VX1, and everyone was like, "Oh man, we really want it all in one." And then they came out with the the VX1N, and that one gained you know a lot of popularity. And I just don't see very many people with the VX1 anymore. I think it's pretty much most of the guys are going straight to the N. I don't know, dude. It, it could be could be big. Soko Heli Tools, uh, our buddies over there, uh, they have a little bit of an announcement. Um, they've got, they've been kind of uh, over the last month, they've been messing around with the type of plastic that, like, the base of the tool is made out of, and you know, R and D and some different ones. They finally settled on one that's kind of neat because it's more rigid, more durable, and lighter all at the same time. Uh, so they're doing this upgrade. No increase in cost. The dimension is all going to stay the same. And they've also got two new distributors in the U.S. Um, one is uh, www.tmkarc1hobby.com. Uh, so if that's in Texas, if you guys are in or near Texas, that's going to be your ticket. And then, big news for them, Heli Direct. So Soco, yeah, Soco Helico is really moving up in the food chain, man. And I'm feeling pretty dumb for not having one at the moment. (laughs) You know, we gave ours away that we did the review on. And I'll be honest, I'm regretting it. Not that I didn't want to give it away. (laughs) That sounded really bad. (laughs) I'm regretting giving it away. (laughs) (laughs) No, ship it back. You are selfish, yeah. dude. <laughs> Thank you. Nothing like sticking your foot in your mouth. No, I mean, I'm sitting here with, I've got all of these different helis, you know, in my trailer, and I am officially just, I am tired of swash leveling tools. Like the MD is a 15 millimeter main shaft. And then you've got, okay, so there's helis, you know, all the rest of them, or a lot of them have 12. I have uh, one with 10. And then, but they've all got different swash spans on them. So now one is sitting on the links, one doesn't reach, one hits this or that, and it's just I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of ha- trying to find a whole bunch of different tools. And that's one thing that's nice about the Soko is that it's one, and it doesn't matter. It works on all helis, all sizes. Yeah, and you're not compromising any accuracy or quality by having a tool that works, you know, on yeah. every. Every heli all across the board. And mine's... I still want to give one a try. I haven't used it before. It's, dude, it is a... But I'm with you, dude. I've tool. got multiple sh- multiple swash levelers as well, and mm-hmm. it drives me nuts. Yeah. So, I think it's uh, it's on my list. One of many of things that, <laughs> I need, that I need to get. I mean, it just, it just makes sense. And I think a lot of people out there are kind of starting to see that now, where it's like, wow, this is... You know, it's a, it's a little different way of setting up, but the, just the you know the diversity of it is a uh, is pretty cool deal. Let's see what else have we got here. Uh, you know, I got I got a little bit of an odd email, and, and I, yeah, I kind of struggled with whether I was going to say anything about this. But you know, in our in our hobby, I like to think, and, and not just you know our listeners, 
Uh, we're, we're all one big family, but, you know, the nation covers everyone in the hobby that flies helicopters. And we like to, I like to think that we look out for each other. And it's a cool hobby that way. You know, everyone's always looking out for each other. So when you see something come about that maybe it's not, maybe it's not your business, but it could potentially affect one of your friends. And um, then I think it's important to help pass that along. It's not particularly being nosy or a gossiper or anything like that. It's a legit deal. Um, So we've got an email here from Hoverfly. Now, Hoverfly does aerial cinematography type multi-rotors, that sort of a deal. Um, And and I'm just going to go ahead and read it straight out of the quote. Uh, In an effort to protect our customers, we are making contact to inform you of an open criminal investigation. You are receiving this because you contacted Hoverfly Technologies using our online aerial systems contact form between January of 2013 to January of 2014. During this time, a former employee of Hoverflies may have contacted you using this information. If you made a purchase and made a payment to anyone other than Hoverfly Technologies, such as Cinedrones.net, Hoverflight, LLC, uh, Epic Helis, or Mike Fortin, you may be a victim of fraud. In addition, if you are asked to reverse charges on a credit card payment to Hoverfly, this is intent to commit fraud. This is a matter. This matter is now part of an open criminal investigation, and you may have information that is relevant to this case. Please contact us immediately at legal at hoverflytech.com if you believe you are a victim. So, again, you know, we don't want to get involved with it, but anytime we see something like this, we feel that it should be passed along uh, because no one, no one should get scammed in this hobby. Oh, yeah. Good old-fashioned service announcement. Yep. <laughs> um, that's, you know, that's that's all I got for news this week. Anyone else? Hopefully, maybe? I've got news. Cool. Gowie. You know, these guys, they continue to surprise me, and this is no different. Did you guys see the announcement that they made this week for the G-Power division? You know, I, I saw it. But mm-hmm. I don't, can you give me a little bit more? Because I don't, I didn't yes. quite know what it was. In this particular case, G stands for gasoline. So Gowie is is starting a new division of the Gowie company called G Power. And this is going to be dedicated to gasoline powered engines for aircraft or airplanes and helis. These engines are 100% designed and manufactured for, by Gowie. They are all CNC machined and hand assembled. And I'll tell you what, they, they put out a couple of like really nice teaser picks. Mm-hmm. These things look amazing. So you can go and check out uh, www.gowiegpower.com or go to the G Power Facebook page. And they've got a bunch of information and pictures there. It's, you know, I, I don't, I'll be honest. It's, it, it's caught me off guard. I'm not quite sure what they're going for here. But, I mean, they're not messing around. They just unveiled or will unveil on April 4th at the Toledo RC Show in Ohio the F-50 four-stroke gas engine. 
and it looks beautiful. I mean, the head is all shiny black anodized. It's got the little G Power logo with like some red anodized in there. I mean, it looks sweet. Now, I don't know what they're going to put the stuff in. I don't know if this is for helis. I don't know if this particular one's for an airplane. You know, we do know that they just announced the NX4 gas. And I believe that the motor that is in that is probably a Gowie motor That's, now that we see yeah, this. That would yeah. make sense that this would be their it's first a, one. It's a pretty good guess. Yeah, absolutely. Which but should. who knows? I mean, are they going to start releasing 25 to 30 cc motors for like the 700 class gassers? I, you know, hmm. I would like to talk to uh, our good friend, Mr. Kerry Shirley, about this because this one has piqued my interest. Yeah, we need the inside scoop. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> So, yeah, if you are a, a gas nerd like I am, then go and check this out and, you know, keep yourself in the loop on the news for this, because I think we're going to start seeing some pretty interesting stuff from Gowie. What if they bring out a GX7? I was just going to say, <laughs> dare they release yeah, dude. a 700 gasser before a nitro? Because every time we think we know what they're going to do, they do something completely freaking different. Well, so wouldn't that be a kick in the yeah, pants? Okay, so think about this, though. That Now, this could be, if they were to release a 700 gasser that, that flew and looked like that little NX4 gasser in the video and sounded like it, mm-hmm. that could be... My next gasser. Your next That could be your next gasser. <laughs> and that could also have the same impact and wow factor that the original NX4 did when it hit. Yeah. Which hit yeah. and just exploded big. Now, it kind of died off because it wasn't, I don't think it was quite as cool as every, it, you know, everyone thought it was a little cooler than it actually was, but, um, oh man, it's all about motor in this case. Yep. They got to bring something new or innovative to the market if they're going to flip it I, upside I down. I really find it hard to believe. I mean, internal combustion is is internal combustion. There's no, you know, tremendous rocket science to it, no pun intended. And I I I mean, they they might come up with a design that's slightly more powerful than like, you know, the the Toxic Al and, and all those, but I can't see it being you know, oh yeah, I'm with you. But what's more intriguing to me, Nick, is that they're going four stroke. Now, I, again, I mean, I know there have been four stroke engines out on the market for years in Plank World, mm -hmm. but does that mean they're going to try to do a four stroke for a heli? I don't know. That'd be crazy. Hmm. Just hear that. That would because be... it would just be sitting there grunting. I mean, that's where the four stroke loves it. You know what I mean? Down yep. lower in the RPM, which, okay, there's a thought. I wonder what that would actually sound like. Because that, I'll be honest, that's a turnoff for me. I don't, I do not like that gasser sound. Yeah, I know. I hear that from so many people and I don't understand it, but that's it's okay. It's just way I too get loud. You. It's just way too loud. It sounds like a, it's got that same annoying factor like a 50 size nitro has for me. That's fair. But yeah, I mean, if the four-stroke sounds different, 
Who oh, knows? you know another huge, huge advantage. Oh, that I just thought of. The difference in exhaust. With a four-stroke, you don't need um, that like expansion chamber to get big power no. out of it. Yeah, you can go straight into a you know a little bit more of a tuned header, but then you can all go, they usually use is a header. Yeah, and, and yep. you could put a, a basically a muffler in it to get a little bit more back pressure and build a little bit more torque. Ooh, are they? And the nerd in me <laughs> thinks it would be really awesome to have valves on an RC gas motor. <laughs> mm. <laughs> huh? Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I'm I'm excited. Cool. Anyone else? What? One other piece of news to add here. So a couple. Well, it's, it's probably been a month now. We talked about the Futaba 8J radio that came out. Well, it looks like now they've announced the Futaba 10J radio. So just a, you know, a step up from the 8J that was previously announced. So it looks like with this uh, new transmitter, we're going to get 30 model memory, um, complete programmable mixing. Now, here's something that's called cool. telemetry with a live display um, and vibration and audio alerts, which, Nick, I know for you, this has a headphone jack and in the if you watch a little video they see someone plugging in the headphones and then that's the uh, audio alert screen so i'm i'm assuming that those uh those timers and you know the telemetry timers that you set up are going to come right through the headphones um and the last thing is user updatable software so you know if they come out with something new for this transmitter you can go ahead and just jump right online and update the thing yourself. So, dude, this you know, does doesn't not look like the other J radios. No, I mean, this, this looks like much looks more like modern. Looks like a freaking 14SG almost. Yeah, dude. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take issue with this. I feel like this thing is as good, if not better, than the 14SG. I can tell you what they're doing. I, I'm gonna make, a and prediction. I'm stuck with the 8FG Super. I'm starting to feel like I'm being left out in the cold here. You know what? I think this is the 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 silent phasing, the silent moving. You think they're just going to go straight to FHSS yep. and drop fast? Yep. I hmm. do. I think fast S. Yeah, because other than the channel count, I mean, I watched the video and I looked up a couple of things online. I... I think this is like the 14SG, and it has even cooler options on yeah. it. Yeah. Like specialized programming menu for multi-rotor aircraft. Programming port on the back for S-Bus and S-Bus 2 servos. Sounds exactly like my 14SG. Internal yeah, diversity antenna, so it doesn't yeah, have a little no pokey external, thing sticking out the front. There's no external antenna. You don't see anything. That's sweet. Do we know dude. the price on this? That's exactly what I was going to ask. Not Jesse Price. Not that I could find. Uh, I did not see anything. I didn't see a date or a price. Well, do we know what the 8J is going for? And then maybe we can extrapolate. I am seeing the 8J. Oh my God, go that for thing is cheap. Are you kidding? $280. It'll be. So this 10J is probably a $400 yep. radio. Yep. Oh, buddy. I I think it's listed on 
on Tower. 10J early April. 350. Tower. Oh, it is on Tower? It's on yep. Tower. 10JA 2.4 gigahertz. 350. Three. And I believe that is with a receiver. That's what it said in the video. Okay, now Jesse, here's the next question I got. I don't know if you found this in the in the details or not, but it says it's telemetry ready, right? Mm-hmm. Does it use the telemetry that you that you use on the fastest system for the 14SG or do you have to buy new uh new sensors? That I do not know about. Um they don't quite go into enough detail in the description that i'm seeing here to be able to answer that question so okay but that you know for for some if if you are looking at this trans at this transmitter coming from a 14 sg in that system that would definitely be something you'd want to find out and hope you know i'm, I'm sure once it gets released that information will be readily available god dang dude now i just want to know the switch spacing Yeah, this one's looking pretty darn cool. I need I need need more pictures. More more pictures. Well, yeah, I, I see a uh, I see a receiver in the picture, so yeah, it looks like for that 350 bucks you're getting yourself a transmitter and a receiver. It's a pretty oh, pretty dude. good deal. That's just yeah. That's nuts. That technology seems to be really good technology for I mean, a really, you know, very fair price. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Well, I think that about wraps up the news. That's all I got, so. All right, guys, this week's news has been brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. You know what's awesome, guys? is being able to run the same brand of battery for all my RC needs. I'm able to put a Genzace battery in my transmitter, on my multi-rotor, use them for receiver packs, and then of course, my main flight batteries for my electric helis. This guarantees a high level of performance that I can count on day after day, which is very important when we have so much money wrapped up into this hobby. So the next time you need batteries, head on over to hobbyparts.com and pick up a set of Genzace batteries. I'm not gonna lie. Without uh, without Dan here, I don't know what we're gonna talk about. No. Do, well, we, do we have anything lined up for tonight? I mean, I do. I do. There's something. Oh, I we want do. To we got a little something. Oh, we do have a topic. Oh, good. I thought we yeah. were just gonna have to wing no, it. No, we do. I got a I got a listener <laughs> email um, from a friend of ours over in Australia, if memory serves me correct, and. You know, there is the, the the dreaded lockout, right? The lockout, the the brownout, the I was flying, it did not do what I said it was supposed to do and it crashed. And you had a brownout. And this is kind of a this is a it's almost a little bit of voodoo that goes along with this because it seems like in my opinion, immediately the first thing that comes out is uh, sell your Spectrum, buy a Futaba. I mean, that's just what goes along with it. Oh, you you had a lockout or a brownout? Must have been Spectrum. And I just, I don't, I don't buy that. So I think, 
I, what I would like to see if we can't do tonight is, you know, kind of break apart some of the specifics and, and get the differences between. Yeah, explain it. Yeah, lockout, brownout, and then potentially, you know, talk about what are the things that we can do to prevent them. And then how maybe even help diagnose a little bit uh, any issues. So, Justin, do you think you could give us like a, a, let's talk about like actual definitions first. So we can, so we can clear the air on what's what. Yeah. And you know, that's super important because as you guys know, in this hobby, we've got all sorts of names and descriptions for similar things and it gets thrown around the forums and, you know, it may mean something completely different to someone else. So Let's start with brownout. So a brownout, generally speaking, and, and my, my disclaimer on this, just for the record, is that I'm going to go with what I believe to be the most common descriptions or definitions here. If you guys think that you've got a different one, then feel free to let us know. But I think most people will agree. Mm -hmm. So starting with a brownout, brownout, simply put, is a situation where we have a disruption or a fallout or a break in power to the receiver, okay? And and to put a little bit finer a point on it, more often than not, you, you get a brownout when you drop below the minimum voltage that that particular receiver requires to keep doing its job, to receiving the, the signals from the transmit. Yeah. So that's a brownout. A lockout is when the receiver itself actually does not, it no longer receives anything from the transmitter. And a lockout can be caused by a bunch of different things. Uh, you know, first off, lockouts can occur on the model at the receiver Lockouts can occur at your radio transmitter mm -hmm. if something goes wrong there. It can be caused by having a bad position for your antennas, either the transmitter or the receiver. You know, you hear a lot of people, especially on the spectrum, there are details about the satellites and which antenna is the actual one that you need to make sure is away from the carbon fiber all sorts of positioning problems with, with the carbon fiber can kill you. Uh, it can also happen if you get really overwhelming or strong interference from another source of RF. Mm -hmm. Okay? Or, or radio frequency. And so the lockout basically stops the RX from responding. And you're pretty much helpless to do anything about it. Okay? The the next thing that we'll talk about here is and, you know, I want I want to caveat this. Every brand has this problem from time to time, these brownouts and these lockouts. OK, so it's not I, I don't think we're going to go into this conversation. Hey, Nick, yeah. dude, that's the rain is loud, opening dude. your gate. It is it's opening your gate. I seriously like I'm waiting for. I don't know. I'm either waiting for like a Moses or an Ark 
And like there's going to go be grab a, all the animals from the neighborhood. Yeah, there's going to be in. like a huge world battle in my backyard, and I'm going to get a front row seat because oh, it's doing the rain that like you know the rain that comes from the bottom. <laughs> it is just <laughs> <laughs> and it was sideways raining. <laughs> oh, and look at uh oh, then it got quiet. Oh. It hurt me. Help me. I bet you my trailer's going to get stuck by, struck by lightning. I feel like that's probably what's going to happen. And all those bad things I oh, said great. about, I said about uh, Plankers and, and Curtis and everything is all going to come back to me. <laughs> okay. Carry on. Okay. So what I was saying before we go any further is let's not make this a conversation about Spectrum sucks and Futaba's better or vice versa, however you want to argue it. There are some systems out there that seem, at least based on the statistics, that that seem to be more susceptible to these sorts of issues than others. But the bottom line is that no system is immune to it, okay? Any system you run is capable of suffering a brownout if your voltage drops below the minimum voltage for the RX. Any system you run is capable of having a lockout if you get RF interference or your antennas are in a bad position, that sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, what happens in certain cases, depending on the radio brand and the system you're running, is when one of these things occurs, if you've got it set up correctly, you can you can allow it to go into failsafe mode. And the failsafe mode basically says, hey, you know, if all hell breaks loose, what do you want me, where do you want my controls to go to by default? Okay, so maybe that's, you know, maybe that's center stick on everything. Uh, I don't. Personally, I don't use fail-safes. Some people do, uh, but that's another consideration depending on what radio you're going to end up using. So does that clear things up a little bit? I think it, I think that does. Yeah. I mean, that gives us somewhere to start with. So let's go. Let's, uh, let's just pick one. Let's pick, let's pick brownout first. And let's, I would like to dig into it a little bit farther and let's see if we can't, you know, okay, so it's a, uh, We've determined that it's a loss of power, right? Um, or a temporary interruption in power. Let's call it a, yeah, dropout. It could be a full loss. Yeah. Okay, but. But more often than not, it's a, oops, I had a, you know, I had a huge current draw or my pack's not up to it. Or, hey, what if I lost a cell? Absolutely. You know, lose a cell in mm -hmm. my receiver pack. Now, I think something that we should just get out of the way, how, how, how do you know which one of those it is? Well, if you lost, if you lose total power, you're going to know because it's going to be the most spectacular thing you have ever seen in your entire life. When you lose receiver power altogether, <laughs> eh, oh, I almost disagree. I've, I've had it happen twice, both times, pretty much just blades. Really? I. You mean you watched it pile itself in with no power? Yeah, remember? I've I've had this happen two times because I have the, the internal BEC on the heli drive. So anytime, in, you know, anything goes wrong with, a, with the battery, 
the entire system loses power because yeah. I, I did not have a backup guard system on the heli at this time. And uh, I've actually had that happen twice and gotten both times the heli had been upright and kind of just floated down. See, now when I've seen it, all the servos went limp and it <laughs> absolutely ate itself in the air. I mean, imploded which, in the air. Which that that is much more common. Yeah, I, will, I would I say will yours is. Say I that. think I think that yours is an exception, Jesse. But that's good luck on you. Yeah. So that's. I mean, if it looks spectacular, like oh my gosh, my helicopter was <laughs> just flying. I heard no noise right before it or anything. It just whoom, wadded itself up, and you go and you walk out there after the crash, and it doesn't have any receiver power. That's a pretty good. I mean, <laughs> that's a good start in a direction of diagno- uh, diagnosing it. But now, you know, okay, let's talk about, like, how can we get, uh, what can cause, Justin, what can cause these power glitches? Good question. What generally is going to cause a power glitch, or to be more precise, a drop in voltage below the minimum required for your receiver, is high current, okay? So maybe you're running uh, high-voltage servos, and you get into a stall torque situation or you're really beating the crap out of it and they're drawing a significant amount of current, that's going to drop the voltage on the on what we call the power bus or the bus voltage, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, it could also be because you have super small wire running power throughout your system and as you increase the current, the resistance in the wire uh, causes a larger voltage drop. And by the time it gets to your receiver, you run out of headroom and you have a brownout. Uh, there, there are a number of situations like that, but it's almost always a transient in current or an inadequacy in the power system itself, be it the battery, capability, capacity, resistance, or the line resistance that brings the current into the system. I think, And the reason why... The reason why it browns out, guys, is because inside your radio, you basically, it's a little computer, okay? And this thing is thousands of times a second, is processing the signal that it gets from your transmitter, okay? These little packets, as as you may have heard them referred to before. And then interpreting them and providing the signal to your servos to do their little dance. And because it's a it's a digital system with a computer in it, what amounts to a computer in it, these things tend to have uh, minimum voltages that range between, say, three and five volts. And so when you start to drop below that level, what happens? You get a reboot. And once that happens... It's up to your system as to how quickly you're going to recover. I, Every system's got a set of steps that it needs to go through to reacquire the signal. How long is it going to take? Who knows? I, I want to butt in there real quick. Uh, that's something, you know, I've, I've heard you reference this a couple times now. The whole, um, you know, what voltage your receiver, t- it, you know, can take. What What is its, uh-huh. its, mm-hmm. its spot? And that's something that I think is really important to know because that I think is is where the difference where a lot of where the spectrum versus Futaba thing came from. Spectrum has a much 
higher uh, reset voltage than Futaba does, correct? That I don't know. We'd have to go and look at I do at. not know what the I can tell you. But I believe that um, Futaba will uh, maintain power, maintain receiver power at a much lower voltage than Spectrum will. Yep. So that, that that doesn't make the Spectrum signal per se any any worse. But maybe, you know, the, the satellites just aren't as tolerable of that. And then you combine that with, you know, what you were talking about busing, right? The power bus. Well, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, using like an S-bus style system or satellites, we're not relying on the receiver for the power bus. So these manufacturers that are making the receivers, they're you know, making their receivers to their specifications, but then they're actually relying on the power bus of the fly barless system to handle this. Not all fly barless yep, that systems. that is absolutely true. Not all of them are created equal. Um, right. I can tell you, I know for a fact, the Mini V-Bar is a known culprit for not having the most high current capable power bus in mm-hmm. it. And people there had suspected um, when the Beast X came out, Oh, it, and I think it was because they were used to the Mini V-Bar, right? Well, okay, that's not true. Actually, the Beast-X was tested, and it was almost good to damn near up to 20 amps. It was ridiculous. I mean, like, mm-hmm. constant. It, it was a heck of a bus bar inside there. So, you know, that comes into play as well. And, again, it's easy. When you have a brownout, it's automatically the manufacturer's fault on the name of the radio. And that's not... That's just not particularly fair, you know? Yeah, and and to, you know, while you were talking, I went and looked at the numbers here, and here here's the stats. A Futaba, let's say the, the 6303 or the 6202 uh, S-Bus receiver is capable of operating between 3.5 and 8.4 volts. Mm-hmm. And now if I look at, let's take the AR7200BX from spectrum right with the beast x in there Mm. voltage range 3.5 to 8.5 so they both state outwardly that they're capable of operating down to the same low end on voltage the question is what does the system do once it goes through a brownout yeah you know what is what's the cycle time to get things back up and running how does the how does the model behave as a result of that you know and i don't know those specifics and, you know, I, I, the only people that will know are the people that designed it or the people that were unfortunate enough to have such a failure. And, I'll, you know, the other thing to, to also think about is like the difference. Uh, just keep using, you know, Futaba versus Spectrum. Spectrum satellites are ran off of it's 3.3 volts. That three I don't or know. 3.3. One of the two. But that w- what that means is that within these fly barless systems, um, there is going to be a regulator in there. That is going to, you know, whatever voltage you supply into it, it's it has to step that voltage down to supply the satellite. Well, now you're depending on the quality and the durability and the function of that voltage regulator as well. So, like, you know, bringing up the mini V-bar again, I was warned. I had some of um, some people who know their stuff say, hey, hey, what's, you know, immediately it was what servos are you running? Like, what servos are you running on the Mini V-Bar in the Blade 700X? And I said, oh, the, the Spectrum servos. 
Which ones? I mean, and and they were just coming right at me. And I'm like, oh, wow, I don't even remember the number on them. I'll have to go look. Why do you ask? They said, oh, because you have to watch running high current servos with the mini V-bar because the drop in voltage that you'll see because of the busing will cause the, the voltage coming out of the regulator to droop dramatically, thus browning out the satellite. You know, and, and yep. where if you had an S-Bus plugged into that, you're not dealing with a regulator, so then it wasn't an issue. Radio's fault? No, not really. That's the designer of the nope. unit that's powering it up. But it's all it's all something to consider as well. Yep. And then, you know, obviously, when we're talking about brownouts, we got to talk about yeah, this whole high amperage servo thing and, you know, BEC versus receiver pack. And it's not really a debate on which one is better or why we, you know, as we've discussed, there's pros and cons to to both. Um, but, you know, the wiring it is really, it is really, really important. You can do a lot to help out your own cause. Any sort of redundant power supply at this point in the game with the servos that we're you know, that we're using the power that they put out, you've got to run redundant wiring. And what that means is getting more than one power input into the fly barless system and trying to do it as, as, you know, as close to the servos through less connections possible, you know, and sometimes, yeah, I run three. Yeah. If you have the, I run if three, you have the, the space, the connector space, then by all means run three. But I, I'm sorry, I do not feel. I mean, in in my you can also run it into the receiver. Yeah, and then yeah. I'd be surprised if most people didn't have three slots open between the receiver and the fly barless system. Yeah, but you still you don't want to run it just into the receiver. Like for S bus, you no. know what I'll do a lot is we'll do one one strictly power right into the fly barless unit, and then you have your S bus wire going over to the receiver. And then you'll bring another power into the receiver as well. So then it, it ends up sending, you know, back over there. And you have two power supplies at the fly barless system. And yeah, you do have to get creative sometimes, you know, especially if you're, you know, if you're using like uh, you've got a speed controller with no BEC or something like that. Okay, well, maybe I'll take take the pin out and I'll take the signal wire and I'll put the signal wire over with one of my power wires and plug that into the speed controller port on the fly barless system and then just dump the power over into the receiver. But again, yep. it's just all about trying to get the most power, uh, the most current capability at that busing bar possible to help prevent it. There's a cute little implement that I think spectrum sells and that has been around for a really long oh, time. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Totally forgot about it that. It is a capacitor with a servo lead connected to it. Mm -hmm. hmm. And why that makes sense is because for those who are not well-versed in electronics, a capacitor is basically a big tank of energy, right? And so we talked about the reason that we have a brownout is because under high enough load, or because of large resistive drops, voltage drops in the system, our voltage to the receiver goes below the minimum required voltage. Well, 
there's also almost no capacitance on that power bus. Okay. So the voltage that's being supplied to your receiver and fly barless system is the voltage across the terminals of the battery. But if you stick a capacitor in there, uh, what you get is a little mini reservoir of energy that when you do have a big dropout like that will actually work to supply some of its stored up energy in the dropout such to prevent the voltage from drooping as far. And so, you know, you can go and buy one that Spectrum does or you could actually do it yourself uh, by going to, say, Radio Shack or Fry's Electronics or something like that and picking up a capacitor of similar size and soldering it up to a set of servo leads and plug it in it. So, Dan, you know, I'm getting a little tired of looking at my old and busted helicopter. I need something to spice it up, but I also want something that's functional because I hate just throwing bling on there that doesn't add any value. You got any ideas for me, man? Absolutely, dude. As we all know, Patrick at KDE, these guys make fantastic upgrades for your helicopter. They do all kinds of helicopters, mostly a line, but they do Goblin and they got some Synergy stuff. And of course, we all know the Blade stuff. That's getting really popular. They got pretty much all the right upgrades that you'll need that not only add the bling, but they add the performance as well. Sweet, man. I'm going to head over to KDEdirect.com right now and make it mine. Jesse, uh, mm-hmm. we all know that you've got Contronic. You're, you are well-versed in Contronic. Uh, yes. I- explain this whole buffer pack thing to me, because it's a term that uh, we hear a lot, but a lot of people don't know anything about. Well, I think the main thing with the buffer pack is once the voltage, so, you know, you have your BEC, or I guess in just in general, you have a power source, could be a receiver pack or a BEC. And if the voltage of that power source drops to, say, a certain level, you can have this backup battery or buffer pack that will then kick in to prevent the voltage basically from dropping any further. Um, so this, in, in a sense, can keep you above that minimum voltage and prevent your receiver from browning out. Yeah, there's a lot of... There's there's a there's a lot of different ways to do it. You know, it originally started back with the Contronic and the buffer pack. I mean, they were just using NICAD nickel metal hydride packs. And they're mm-hmm. basically charging the pack off of the BEC and it never got to the point where it was, you know, too much for the battery, too much voltage for the battery. Um uh, but you have to if you're going to do that sort of a which it isn't as popular anymore obviously because the weight of NICADs and nickel metal well, hydrides. It's kind of changed now because instead of in, instead of just plugging in like a nickel metal hydride or NICAD pack, now we have all these smart backup redundant yes. other devices that we're all using. So it's not like, you know, we no longer need to just plug a battery and we got the, uh, I mean, the ones I'm familiar with, you know, the Scorpion backup guard, yeah. which anything, you know, as soon as it sees your system drop below, I believe it's five volts for the scorpion backup guard Correct. Uh, that's going to kick in immediately which that's a 500 milliamp 
uh, 2S LiPo, which is regulated down to, I think it's just five volts. Yep. Um, and so, you know, as soon as it sees below that, that's going to kick in. Um, and then the ultra guard from OptiPower that well, we're doing a review on right now is, you know, the same sort of deal. Um, that one sets itself to your system voltage. And as soon as it sees a loss in power, that's going to kick in. And once again, prevent you from having that huge drop in voltage and ideally prevent you from having the brownout. Which that one, you know, that, that one is taking technology even farther because, you know, we started with the buffer pack, which was you had to plug and unplug that thing in. And I do want to put a disclaimer there. Not all BECs are buffer pack capable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it completely depends on the BEC. You cannot always plug a buffer pack in because if you unplug your speed controller um, and you have, you're basically, you know, you're back feeding voltage um, yep. into the speed controller, it can damage it if it's not capable of handling that. So we went from the, we went from the buffer pack to then the Scorpion backup guard, like Jesse was saying, which now you had to arm that you had to turn it on in order for it to be armed and ready to function and work. And then we, you know, we leap forward even more, and now we're looking at the the OptiGuard, which is auto arming. And uh, does it turn itself off as well? Um, it does n- uh, not in my experience. I'm you or is have it to auto hold charging. The, it's auto charging. It's auto and charging auto arming, for sure. But you have to. There's a button on the board that you have to hold down for like one second or half a second, and then it turns off. Okay. Well, we'll. We'll right. hear about that more in the review, but well, I guess what we're getting at is there's a lot of options out there now, and I think people are, you know, gone are the days of the of the NICAD pack with the single servo wire that was good enough. We have yeah, and the the other thing just to point out is these systems, the price of these things. I mean, they're not that expensive, guys. So the amount of protection that they offer and the damage that they could prevent to your heli. I mean, these things will pay for themselves five times over if it prevents one brownout. Yeah. Oh, or yeah, one, dude. You know, I mean, so. you know, we're talking 40 to 60 or so dollars for a backup solution. And that's just that's just common sense. Yeah, yeah, it's and, you know, just go, going back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. And just so that everyone's clear in in that regard, the buffer pack or the backup guard it plays the same role as the old school spectrum bus cap capacitor, mm-hmm. but with a whole heck of a lot more capability. Yeah. yeah. So let's move into lockouts. So you have lost signal for whatever reason. I mean, who know? Who knows? But what can we do with uh, with any brand? We're not going to get brand specific here, but. You know, what can we do to prevent those, um, you know, as much as possible? And, Justin, you had mentioned um, either, you know, antenna placement. Well, why? Yeah, antenna why is placement crucial? is it's crucial because we got to remember that a lockout is is basically a situation where the receiver and transmitter can't talk to each other any longer. Okay, for whatever reason, the communication between those two units ceases to work. It fails. It stops. And the reason why antenna or receiver placement is important 
is because you're flying around a gigantic chunk of carbon fiber, right? Mm -hmm. Carbon fiber uh, blocks RF signal, and especially in the frequency range that (laughs) we're dealing with. Absolutely, it does. And so, you know, a, a, a gross situation is one where you hide your your receiver antennae inside the airframe such that there's no direct line of sight between the antenna, any one antenna and the transmitter. It's got to go through carbon fiber. That's a bad day. You're asking for trouble there. Okay. Um, my my advice on this one is you got to do the research on the particular brand of radio that you're running. And each one of them has, in my opinion, very clear recommendations for how to actually do things. Mm, I'm not going to say each one does. I'll I'll get to that. I'll throw that hint in there. Okay, that's fair. So start with Futaba-ish style. You got your two... Well, so Futaba has the two whips. Yeah. Yeah, it's got the two whiskers. And Futaba's recommendation is that they be... Away from carbon fiber, not blocked by carbon fiber, and that they are held in an orientation that puts them about 90 degrees apart. And the reasoning for that is because if you were to be able to put on your super duper 2.4 gigahertz goggles and look at all the radio waves bouncing around at the RC field, what you'd see is you're getting a whole load of waves blasted out of your transmitter, okay? And they have their own direction or polarization, and I won't get into the details, we'll just leave it at that. Uh and when they get to your when they get to your helicopter, they impact various surfaces and they bounce all around. And so the receiver antennas may not be picking up the direct signal, they may be picking up a reflection of it. And the idea is that if you have these things split by a certain angle, then they are they are in a geometry or a, a configuration that allows them the most coverage for all of the different orientations that the transmitter wave could be received in. The, the spectrums have uh, an actual satellite in most cases Mm -hmm. with their two little antennas. And usually the, the guidance that I've seen from spectrum is they say, well, run two satellites on a big heli, right? Unless it's a little micro guy or an indoor flyer, run two satellites Mm -hmm. and make sure that your satellite antennas are offset by 90 degrees as well. Yep. So the axis of the antenna, which is through sort of the top head of the satellite, you may have one pointing up and down through the ground and into the sky, and then the other one pointing horizontal and along the horizon. That was where my tip came in. Where a lot of people don't don't know this, but the and I don't know the specifics of it. So I'm sure there's someone out there like you know that's like some master of of radio waves that could going to correct me on this, but I'll I'll put it into dummy terms, the left side. So if you're staring at it with the the spectrum signal, you know, embossed on the case, the left antenna is the one that you want to be more critical on with your placement. Cause I do believe that's the, 
I don't know if it's the active antenna or the more active antenna. I, I don't know. Justin, can you can you clarify that, or should we just leave it with just trust us on this one? No, 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 no. That's absolutely the case. Okay. The the on the satellite, the left one is actually the antenna, and the right one the is right a ground, one, isn't it? Is what's called a ground element. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Okay, cool. See, and I did nail it. Yeah, no, you're right. That? You're absolutely so correct. What that means, and so you want to make sure you get. I mean, you got to get the whole satellite placed optimally, but that left antenna is of critical importance. Yeah. So you know, if you can put, ideally, you're talking one, you know, one on either side of your frame. I mean, that's the that's the grand scheme of things. And if you have an option of taking, let's say, you have your your satellite that you're going to mount them vertically, right? The the antenna direction is going to be kind of vertical on the antenna itself if you have the option of mounting it wires back or wires forward you know put it to where the left side antenna is going to be up and away from the most carbon fiber maybe you have a large opening uh in your frame right don't stick the active antenna up underneath, you know, underneath the the main gear or something like that. Put it down towards the opening where it could potentially be seen through the frame. All these little yep. things can help. Yeah. And I'll give you another little tidbit. Put some small heat shrink heat shrink tubing all the way mm-hmm. over the the you know the little gray silverish part of an antenna, and they have a little plastic nubbin that sticks off of the side of the satellite. Slide it over all the way over both of those and heat shrink it down. And that will keep the actual antenna pointing straight out. You know, so for all you guys that we see these pictures of and you have, you know, maybe you have your satellite put in the correct place. But then you got like this, you know, droopy 60 year old man antenna hanging off the side. That's (laughs) (laughs) I almost went there. I really did. But, you know, that needs to be pointing out straight, not going in the complete opposite direction, or you you should have just mounted the satellite that way in the first place. And, and you know, mm-hmm. knowing those things, it, it can really change. A lot of people will go, well, I just, I thought I just stuck it on there. Wow, I never really mm-hmm. thought about it. Again, it goes back to, that's not particularly the fault of the manufacturer. Just do your best to put them in the correct place, and that is going to reduce, I mean, greatly reduce your chance of um, of having a lockout. And going back to, you know, what are you going to see in flight? If you have your failsafe set up for a neutral position, neutral collective, uh, you know, no rudder, no aileron, no elevator, throttle that's going to... Yeah, throttle hold. Um, there's some, that, that's a great point, Jesse. If you're flying <laughs> along and all of a sudden you have no control, you hear the motor shut off, and you can't move aileron, rudder, anything, and your heli just slowly starts to float to the ground because you're at zero pitch, that's good in your diagnostic skills. Hey, I just had a lockout. I lost signal. You know, the heli didn't eat itself. It didn't anything else. Mm-hmm. I actually do encourage people to be cautious when they set their fail safes because uh, a helicopter that is at neutral pitch in the blades and and loses motor power 
believe it or not, actually does not move through the sky that fast. It, it It's more predictable. How about that? Yeah. But yep. those of us, or I shouldn't say those of us, if you set your fail-safes at full negative pitch and low stick, which, which is habit for, I think, a lot of people, you could potentially be flying along, have a lockout, and that thing will drive <laughs> itself in or drive itself up or towards someone or away if it's knife edge. So just be aware of that. Uh, zero yeah. pitch is always going to be your best bet there. Yeah, Justin, yeah. I, have a, I have a quick question about, so with Futaba, what about, so we, we mentioned trying to get one on each side of the frame, and we also mentioned not wanting to go inside the carbon fiber frame. Mm-hmm. What about if we have the receiver, that let's just say an S-Bus receiver with the four or five inch whiskers on it. What if we shoot yep. through the carbon fiber frame and the end, say the last inch and a half, two inches comes out the other side of the frame. Which part's actually receiving, looking for the signal? It's the 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 part that's actually receiving the signal is the little part up at the top that has the shrink wrap removed from it, mm-hmm. and that's kind of shiny and metallic looking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can do that. But as Nick said, general best practice is you want your antennas to be as far away from carbon fiber as possible. If you just can't do it and you got to run it through a hole in the frame, then that's fine. That's better than it being stuck inside the frame. Really, at the end of the day, it all comes down to risk. Yeah. Okay. Could you, for example, on Spectrum, could you run a system with one satellite? Yeah, you could. Absolutely. Is it better with two? Definitely. (laughs) Is it better with three? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Because if you think about it from a standpoint of three, if you really wanted to do three satellites, now you can put one with the saddle with the antenna axis in the vertical position, in the horizontal position lengthwise with the heli, and in the horizontal position transverse to or across the heli axes. And now you got all three X, Y, and Z axes, which means at any given time you should be able to pick up whatever polarization wave that transmitter is sending you or whatever reflection you're getting. So, you know, I can't say you're not going to have an issue with a three-axis system, and I can't say that you're going to have an issue with a single satellite, but the risk is a lot higher with a single or a double. One other thing that a lot of people are curious about is... Where on the heli should the antennas be placed? Does it need to be in plain view? I mean, we already talked about you don't want it to be behind carbon fiber, but what if I put it under my canopy? Can I do that? Or should it stick out the back? And the answer is yes, you can. Again, it all comes down to it's a matter of risk. Is the signal going to be as clean and clear? If you put it under the canopy, canopy, well, depending on what's going on there, the, the size and shape of the canopy, what's nearby, no, it may not be, but it's a whole heck of a lot better than putting it behind <laughs> carbon fiber. And try, so on that same line, try and keep them away from motor and speed controller, motor wires, that sort of a thing. Again, not saying it's going to cause a problem. 
but there is potential for some funky interference there. So just oh don't, yeah, don't dude, stick yeah. your satellite right on top of your caps on your speed controller, you know, or <laughs> zip tie your satellite to your motor wires, and you know, it's, it would be frowned upon. We all know that RC helicopters are all about precision. Everything from the parts that we build them with to the tools we use. But the most important thing is making sure that we have our helis set up absolutely perfect. There is no room for air. So to make sure you get that perfect setup every single time, head over to Soko Heli Tools and check out their high precision setup tools. That's Soko-Heli-Tools.com. The other thing that you can do, and and I know people are going to say, oh, are you serious, dude? But range tests, man. It's on the radio for a reason. If this is your first, if, if you're maidening this heli and you're not used to setting up the particular airframe that you've got or the radio system that you've got, you want to do a range test before you fly it to make sure that you don't have any issues with the satellite or antenna placement that you've chosen. And, you know, almost all, I don't know of a radio that doesn't have it. There's a range check mode, which basically transmits at a lower signal power. And what you do is you either, you keep your heli on the ground power system off, by the way, just to be clear only powering your servos. You keep your heli on the ground and you start walking away from it and jiggling your sticks around to make sure that it is still responding. (laughs) (laughs) I could not let you say jiggle your sticks. Come on. Dude. (laughs) I'm in my technical zone. You can't come at me with that crap. Oh, yeah, right. But what I like to do better, honestly, is have a friend or a buddy at the field, okay? What you, what you do is you have them stay with the heli. You go walk far away so that you can't really see the heli. And before you do it, make sure you tell your friend what sequence of stick movements you're going to make. Maybe you do, a, you do a sequence that is, you know, up and down on cyclic, left and right on rudder, forward and back on elevator, left and right on aileron, and then you restart that. And he's going to be watching as you go, and if anything erratic happens or it doesn't follow that sequence, then you know that you may be having issues with interference or antenna placement or whatever. Go back, troubleshoot it. Yep, yep. All right, there's one more yep. thing I want to I wanna cover with this because... um. I, this is still an issue. Um, a lot of folks might have thought it was an issue of the past, but it's not. It still does happen, and it's a factor. Let's talk about quickly talk about this whole static discharge thing and the whole belted helis. Now, what what classification does that fall under? Is that a lockout or is it a brownout? I think in that particular case, it's a lockout. Mm -hmm. Again, brownout, when you hear brownout, you should think power issues. This is just a flip out. More often than not. We can call it just a flip out. Because, dude. Well, it's a lockout. So, for whatever reason, 
there is a loss, a momentary or permanent loss of communication between the transmitter and the receiver. Yep. And so so what we're talking about is with belted helicopters, there's something called the Van de Graaff effect. That basically happens the belt, you know, moving along within the torque tube, you build up static. And this static can be released. It's... It's actually quite surprising the energy that can potentially build up. And when it finally, you know, finds that path of least resistance and discharges, if you have electrical components, um, a.k.a. receiver, within that vicinity or fly barless <laughs> unit, it will, it will smack that sucker to the point where your heli will look like it's completely possessed. Large glitches, tail glitches, collective glitches, aileron glitches. They're usually fast, and they're usually over pretty fast. They're they're not multiple. Um, I personally have I've had this happen. I have never had one. You know, take a heli down. It was just flying along, and all of a sudden, wham! All of a sudden, it does something crazy, and then it's back to normal. And you're like, "What the heck was that?" <laughs> Scares the tar out of you. You know, you lose all your confidence in your model. But what can we do? Um, what can we do to prevent that? What can we do to prevent prevent static discharge? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we can ground yeah. our tail, our belted tail system. Okay, so Jesse, so we now you've got. Do you 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 have your compass, your seven HV, right? Oh yeah, and the six yep. HV, and the six HV. Yep. Okay, now the 6HV Ultimate was released not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Does, is that, even though it's a newer heli, is that one that you have to worry about that? Oh, yeah. So on the 6HV, I definitely have the tail boom ground, or the boom grounded. And basically, it's the same as I've explained before on the 7HV. You want to make sure that you have electrical conductivity all the way from the back tail case and in my case, I go to the motor mount in the front. Some people go to the negative terminal on the ESC. Um, but for me, I just go to the motor mount, which is then going to basically discharge it through the motor. And what that prevents is, like Nick mentioned, is that big potential or voltage that you can get from between the uh, tail case and the airframe of the heli. And so if you prevent that from building up, then there's never anything that can discharge. Yeah, just constantly. It's 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 almost like a constant dump. It's just yeah, it's always discharging. So it, it never gets a huge potential or voltage it, yeah. difference. So then yeah, there's never a it big never discharge. Builds up. And it can be even as small as just, you know, taking a little bit of scotch bright, and, you know, scruffing up a clean spot on your tail boom, you know, wrapping a, a bare wire around that spot, zip tying it zip down. Tie. Or... You know, if you feel comfortable um, pinning, you know, putting a small mm-hmm. hole in the boom with a screw and an eyelet, running that ground wire from there up to, um, you know, up to the to the motor. And the reason for the motor is it's, you know, the motor, the motor mount assembly. A lot of them now are are tied in with the servos, which then is you know, main shaft, the whole deal. That's a big chunk of metal. And, yep. and discharging or, you know, dumping it right to that is going to be the best. It used to be yeah, the when biggest it, problem back in the logos. Oh, man, logos were, geez. 
you, you know, plastic frame and all that. There was you had to ground uh-huh. all those. Or yep. man, would they build up some serious charge? Oh, on dude, them. I had static hits on my logos before I grounded them. I mean, I had the tail swing out like 45, 60 degrees at mm-hmm. a time when it happened. Yep. It's horrible. It's scary, too, because you don't know what's <laughs> yeah. going on. You just lay on the hilly and go, what was that? <laughs> yeah, what was that? Yeah. And now when, um, Justin, there are some, there are some times of the year uh, and, and actually the weather that play can play a big role in this. What would those be? When would yes. she, when would we be most apt to to have this happen? Dry yeah. conditions is really where it kills you, and those dry. I mean, that dry condition can come in one of two forms. Uh, it can be desert type dry, but still hot, or it can be cold and dry. Yeah. And the reason that is is because when when we are not. Hold on, let me redo that. When we're in it, when we're in a weather situation where we have moisture, okay, you, you talk about how much moisture is in the air, 30, 50, 60 percent humidity. That humidity means that there are very small droplets of water of moisture entrained in the air, and that makes the air more conductive, okay, and it prevents charge buildup on these this van de graaff type effect or system Mm -hmm. in your in your belted tail heli when the humidity drops below a certain level then things get dried out you don't have that conductive medium and you're able to build up a significant amount more charge the the rough number that you should worry about is any humidity below about 30 ish percent Mm -hmm. um but again this is such a simple thing. Like Jesse said, it's such a simple thing to do to fix this. You, There's really no reason why you shouldn't do it before you ever maiden the belted heli. Yep. If the design is such that it needs to be grounded. And not all. I mean, some, some helis, belted ones, are naturally not prone to this be, just because of the design. Maybe they have a, a bolt. You know, that goes through an aluminum boom block. So let's say you have a a two or multiple piece boom block that holds the boom in place and you have a pinning bolt that pins it up front and, you know, your belt adjustment is in the rear. Well, now you've taken an aluminum boom block, put a metal screw through it that goes down into the boom, scuffs up, you know, the inside of the hole in the boom and naturally kind of grounds it that way. And so that heli might never have a problem even though you don't have to do mm-hmm. anything yeah. but it can be very very simply checked with a multimeter you yeah. know setting on the the your ohm setting or your resistance setting and just check and see if you have conductivity or con, you know continuity and um man it, it's a it's a free cheap easy mod that will eliminate that potential failure you got it yep cool man that's uh how with Dan away the nerds will play, huh? That <laughs> is true. No he'd one be, to hold us he'd back. He'd be sleeping right now. You know what? I before we before we end this, I've got one more thing okay. that I think will help a lot of people here. Um it goes back to ensuring that you don't have a lockout, you don't have a loss of signal. 
Um, and a lot of people ask this question regularly. I got a transmitter. It's got one of those funky little spinny antenna things on the front oh, yeah. of it. Okay. <laughs> what position should I be putting my antenna in? Okay. Should I, should I point it straight out so that the tip of it is facing the direction I'm flying? Should I put it horizontal with the ground? So side on to the flight direction? Or should I put it vertical? Uh, there's one thing that is absolutely clear. Do not point the antenna towards your flight direction. Okay? And the reason is, if you are if you're able to, again, like we said earlier, put your super awesome radio goggles on and you could look at where these waves were going. For an antenna of this type, the radiation pattern or the direction and intensity of the waves that come off of this antenna is minimum at the tip, okay? So it is producing the lowest power transmission from the tip, and all of the high-power transmission occurs perpendicular to the antenna or along its length, all right? So now, now that you know you don't point it towards your flight direction, do I put it horizontal? Do I put it vertical? This one honestly tends to be a lot less of an issue. And I see people flying them both. Uh, I've heard radio manufacturers recommend both. Really, the right answer is it should be placed vertically. Yeah. And the reason for that is because in these radio systems, these transmission systems, the earth itself, the ground acts as a plane from which the waves coming from the antenna reflect. And it actually, that polarity or that polarization direction is the ideal one to get the, the highest strength signal to your helicopter. That said, horizontal is not horrible and it's way better than pointing the tip out at it. Yes, don't try and shoot so it with the tip. Do not shoot it with the tip. <laughs> That is absolutely contrary correct. to everything and you know that you've what? learned. <laughs> yeah, you guys can actually see the difference between this in a range check if you want to be a super nerd and go in and check it out. Tip on versus side on. If you get far enough away, so just another just another point there. Sweet dude, I feel feel educated. Yeah, dude. This was a this was a good topic, Nothing. and so uh, yes, hopefully. Thank you to the listener for sending this email to Nick. Yeah, sorry we yeah. didn't get to it a little bit sooner, but uh, uh, Bert, I hope this helps you out. Not not Bert Cameron. That'd be kind of funny. Like, hey Bert, <laughs> yeah, I know you were always wondering, <laughs> and now you, you know Bert. To be anonymous, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dif- different. Bert. In today's heli market, it can be a challenge to find a retailer that stocks a variety of different brands and parts, has great customer service, and boasts fast shipping. I can tell you that Rotary Wing RC has all of this and more. Finally, I feel like I found a place where I can get everything in one order, and I'm confident that I'll get the shipment quickly so that I can get back in the air next weekend. You don't believe it, huh? Trust me. Go to www.rotarywingrc.com now 
and check out your new go-to online heli shop. Well, guys, um, yeah, we've got, man, we've got a lot of stuff coming up, dude. I mean, a lot. Did you see the pictures of the Muchas base? In this the audio oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, man, guys, the, you know, uh, the system that we had last year that we used at Fun Flies was rented. We decided that that just wasn't feasible this year and that we were going to be traveling too much. And, and we wanted, you know, uh, audio quality for us is very important, despite maybe hearing the monsoon that you will probably hear in this episode because of where I'm at. Uh, audio quality, clarity, and just, you know, all around RCHN awesomeness is important to us, so we've invested in our own uh, very large amp. Uh, what's what's the word? I think it's just uh, it's sufficient. We'll say that <laughs> <laughs> get the Su- job done. Sufficient. So you know, live events this year. Othello uh, coming up, right? Yeah. Yes. Not too far be- away. No. I cannot we wait. We'll be there recording live. Next one after that, uh, our fun fly. Justin, what are the dates? 26th through the 29th. You can show up as early as 5 p.m. on the 26th, which is a Thursday. Yeah, yeah. And again, nice. thank you. Uh, thank you, Progressive RC, for helping us put that on, sponsoring our, our fun fly. We really appreciate that. Uh, let, then let's see. Where do our journeys take us next after that? Uh, oh. After our fun fly, we've got <gasps> Urcha. Oh, me. Oh, my. Yep. R-C-H-N the big one. And is going to Urcha. It's going to oh, be good. Yeah. Cannot wait. Good. Can't wait. G- good is all you can come up with in that vast vocabulary of yours. You come up with good. It's it's gonna be amazing, extraordinary. Thank you, Jesse. Extraordinary. extraordinary. Thank you, Jesse. That's a good yes. one. Spectacular. There you there go. There we go. That's it, guys. We are signoticeably <laughs> awesomer <laughs> now than any other fun fly we've ever been. <laughs> yeah. To. Now we're talking. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, guys. We are gonna be traveling there. Um, going on a big, huge road trip. And we're going to do our thing, you know, big style, right there. Vendor tent, the whole deal, live podcasts, numerous podcasts throughout the day. Um, It's, you know, we're going to have all the stuff there. So if you are going to Urcha, I'm not not even going to say stop by because you're just going to know where we are. How about that? Just listen. (laughs) That's all you got to do. Ooh, letting it all hang out. You'll know. You'll know. Um (laughs) Then from there we move to what do we got next? Snow Snohomish. Yes. The awesomeness that is Snohomish. And then maybe a fall fun fly for Othello or Brooks or there may be another invitational. Yeah, Who knows? That one we're not yeah. sure. That one's been kind of, you know, they, they shifted around in the fall to to give a fair chance for other new upcoming fun flies that were a little farther down south, so we're not sure of that. And we yep. can put out a maybe, maybe one more, but I'm not giving any more clues than that. Yep. 
Yeah, we're working on it. We'll see what we can come up with. We're trying to get out there, guys. So yeah. hang you tight. You guys know who you are. We're 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 trying, and boy, when we if we can get it figured out, we'll let y'all know. Well, Facebook is kicking right yep. along. Um, again, all of those events and, jeez, uh, a whole load of other events on our website. Thank you, Dieter, for organizing and putting that all in the calendar. If you guys have any events, please make sure email those to Dieter at rchelynation.com. We'll get those put on there. Forums yep. kicking right along. You know, it's good to it's good to see posts with people out flying. Finally, some yeah. of the snow's starting to melt. We're all getting a little bit, a little bit of warmer weather. And uh, guys, just man, get out, fly, enjoy. Tech tips. We've got some. Um, you know, the tech tips is just growing. I've got another one. Uh, our buddy, actually, Chris Treby. It, um, I kind of worked with him and talked with, gave him a little bit of advice on building stick packs. And we were like, well, hey, wait a minute. Why don't you do a tech tip on it since he had some more to build? So I'll uh, be looking for that one up. If you've never built your own stick pack before, um, he took some fantastic pictures. So you'll be seeing that one up. Um, it- yeah, I've got two coming as well. One is the is the foolproof bullet connectors, and the other one is the batteries. Ah. C rating, mm. IR, that sort of a thing. Nice. And anytime, guys, that we do a, um, a review, uh, if we feel that there are, are some applicable tech tips after that, uh, nothing, no product is perfect, no heli is perfect, so we always try and put up our notes in the tech tips. So I'm sure Jesse will have some up. I'm going to have yep. some up for the, uh, for the MD, and hopefully between myself and uh, Greg Campbell, uh, the, you know, the guy's just a – absolute the source of knowledge on the uh rev electrics chargers um he's going to get some up there we'll work together on that uh try and help just get you guys directed on the right path so thank you for everyone thank you to everyone who is contributing uh on those tech tips we're just trying to grow it to be the awesome quick efficient you know way to to get your stuff fixed and if you didn't notice on the right hand side forgot to mention this a while ago on the right hand side of the tech tip page there is an actual searchable box over there by category so you can you know click over there and look through the different kind of subcategories fly barless servos mechanical nitro stuff like that if you're if you're looking for one or you're not sure you're like hey this is my first nitro i would love to read all the tech tips about nitro just hit that drop down, pick Nitro, and all the Nitro ones will pop up. And um, speaking of webpage, we always have to give a huge thanks to our most super awesome, badass dude man, Larry, our website guy. You guys oh, see yeah. him poking around the forums or on Facebook or something. You know, just shoot him, shoot him a message and say thanks. He does so much for us. And, you know, ask nothing. And it's just we we can't. We try and surround ourselves by people that are awesome, and that guy is the... He qualifies. <laughs> pinnacle of it. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Super, super happy. So let's see, man. Am I, am I missing anything? You are missing something. Uh, it doesn't surprise are me. Are you ready for yeah. this? <laughs> Here we go. It is time 
we, you guys don't even know about this. I'm, I'm just going to drop it right on you. We're going to give away a hat right now to a random registered citizen. Right now? Right now. Right now. Oh, sweet. Like, wait a minute. We get to play winner, winner, chicken dinner? We do, but this is how we're going to do it. Okay. On my mark, the three of us are going to go to our Facebook wall and look at all of the comments to all of our posts until we find the first comment that includes a citizen number. Yeah. Personal Facebook Person- wall? Yeah, personal or, or RCHN. No, no. Uh, RCHN Facebook wall. Okay. This time The first around. one we see. Yeah. So if you see it, call it out. And that's, that's okay, the way. Okay, race that go. Here we go. Okay, go. Right there, Matt. Dan's got to edit in, so like Matt. Jeopardy I see music. Matt Kellogg. Yeah. Matt Kellogg. Matt Kellogg. All citizen right. number two hundred and four. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah. congrats, Matt. Uh, send me an email at nick at rchellynation.com. I'm gonna get you a hat. I'm going to get your citizen number put on the back of it. Uh, I just need to know your size. So hop over to the store. Take a look at the sizes. Let me know what you got. And uh, thanks for listening, man. We appreciate it. And thanks for contributing and posting. That's what it's all about. That yes, was fun. Absolutely. See yeah. that? You never know when it's going to strike. When do I win something? Yeah. And do I have the power to give some away like that? <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> really? Is that anyone <laughs> does? Nick, you won't win anything though. We know that for sure. You can't win. Uh, well, you might win the flight count comp- competition, but nothing comes with that. Yeah, I doubt I'll win that either. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sweet. Well, boy, I think that Jesse, I I find it highly appropriate that you brought us in. I think you should take us out. Well, there's one. There's one more thing. I'm I'm a little bit confused about here before we close. Nick, if if somebody did want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Oh, you would most certainly send me an email at nick at rchellynation.com. And Justin, you would send me an email at justin at rchellynation.com. And you could send me an email at jesse at rchellynation.com. And I suppose if you wanted to get in touch with Dan, you could send Dan an email at dan at rchellynation.com. Well, this has been episode number 130. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Have a good week, guys, and we will talk to you next week. Stick time. Take it easy, guys. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by KDE Direct, Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Genzase Batteries, Blade Helicopters, BK Servos, and Rotary Wing RC. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email.